Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. early days of the Cold War, the CIA ordered the creation of a secret program intended to find ways of mind control. And this paper detailed how the CIA's mind control program, MKUltra, was not stopped in 1973 as the CIA had told Congress. Instead, the paper reported it had merely been transferred out of public hospitals and prisons into the more secure confines of religious cults that he believes that Jonestown was one of those religious cults, right? And I just thought that fits really well with, with what, I mean, because really consider like all the different cults sprouting up during this time, the, yeah. you know, the satanic panic that, that was yep. about to. A lot of people don't realize if you dig dig a few inches deep down the surface of like the uh, like uh, OKC McVeigh type, you know, lore, oh there's there's that too. Hey guys, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major auto block catchers and rumble as well today my guest austin picard we're continuing our uh finders cult series doing this one as a live stream because uh, my guest last week we had to reschedule but you know not throw any shade uh they had some circumstances come up and that's fine but i didn't have anything to give out to the general public but i do have for my patrons uh just because of the fact i was doing like only one a week during the holidays but i'm back to trying to do two a week if i can and uh, so for my uh, patrons to make up for this, this being a live stream and you guys not getting the inside scoop, I have Pete Quinones coming on tomorrow 
uh, Thursday the 11th uh, to talk about the pogroms. So, which I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I don't know a ton about them. So I just I kind of want to find more. And that's, uh, I guess, an area Pete has looked into a bunch. So we're going to have him on uh, and talk to him. Uh, but if you want to be able to get that early, if because otherwise, if you're not a patron, you're going to have to wait a whole week for that. And whatever, if not, if that's that's what you're going to do, that's fine. But if you want to help support what I'm doing and get that content early, it's patreon.com. It's Noe Jose 2020. Uh, lowest level is two bucks just to get the early episodes, or you can go up higher, the highest being the sponsors. Uh, my sponsors, I read them off every episode. I have Toad, who's my co host on Targeting, at Targeting Toad. I also have at Abrogate D's, then Kevin B. Clark, a full time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area. Then at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K. Then at underscore infinite zeal. Then I have Jacob Daniel, the Biblical Anarchy Podcast. I was just on his, uh, well, actually it was like a month ago, but he just now released it. So I just had, a, I think it was today actually it came out. So go check that out. Follow him at Biblical Anarchy. Then I also have Tim Tuttle. I see him in the chat right now. Uh, he's usually one that supplies me with those edits. Uh, the edit today though, that was uh, from my buddy Laney. Uh, that, that shit was dope. Uh, but yeah, you can follow Tim Tuttle at Jolly on Klebold. I also have at Stinky Sock 420. He's a singer of the Bender Hardcore Band. Go check him out. And let's get into this. I am excited. I do want to let you guys know uh, this is where this is a live stream. I've, I'll take questions. I give out to my patrons for the uh, $5 level. I give them usually like a code, but I gave it out for all of you guys this time around. So if you guys put a little code in there, I'll know which one it is uh, in the chat and I'll give you guys preference. But aside from that, uh, I will kind of somewhat be monitoring the chats best I can. And I also do want to let you guys know I'll put this out tomorrow on like Rumble and the podcatchers and stuff. But all right, with, without any further ado, let's get Austin here. Let's get into it. What's up, dude? What's what up, about buddy? these Jew tunnels? <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, dude, the first thing, the first thought in my mind as soon as that story broke was McMartin, McMartin Preschool Tunnels, yep. dude. Like 100%, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, it, it like it, it's crazy because it links perfectly at later on, like here in a little bit when we get uh, deeper into, you know, the finale of the of the finders. Um, I'll mention Toby Terrell, which which is um, he basically came out as the spokesperson for the finders as soon as the arrest happened in 87 in Tallahassee. And uh, and he wrote also wrote a book about Marion Petty and the Finders called The Game Caller, right? And he he mentioned in that book that he had been given a game by Marion Petty basically directly after the Tallahassee incident. And that game was to go to Manhattan Beach and to check what he called the atmosphere <laughs> around the McMartin preschool incident. And I just thought that alone, right? Like beyond the fact that tunnels seem to come up in almost every one of these similar stories, you know, I mean, even Pizzagate had a story on tunnels uh, under that block, you know, connecting mm -hmm. all those those connected businesses involved with Media Matters, David Brock and James Oliphantus. So it's just like, oh, my God, talk about pattern recognition, right? Like. How many times can we see the same things, you know, before yeah. it, it's no longer coincidence? Because it is like when people are arguing about like the Jew tunnels, like it is like to some extent, I'm just like, it's got all the elements. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I know I get it. It's like all we really have is like one little like high chair, uh, one like right. poop slash blood stained mattress. 
fuck. But I it's like somebody. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I mean, I don't know how credible it is. These 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 tunnels supposedly led to like near the area of a children's hospital. Uh, oh. and so it's like, or no children's museum or or something along those lines. So it's like. I mean, if you were to have a trafficking operation in a city, in an urban environment, what better system would there be than to go through like abandoned maintenance tunnels and into the back of some seedy uh, synagogues tunnel somewhere? Like, exactly. I, yeah, just scurry them right under. No one's going to like, who's who's checking that? Like my buddy Top Lobster, he used to work in the uh, the railways and like he, he can attest to like, yeah, it's just like just sprawling infrastructure of like maintenance, uh, you know, tunnels and all sorts of stuff just on oh, under, man. under, under New York. So it's like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> but and it's not even specifically just a Jew thing particularly. Cause it's like, you know, we obviously we're talking about satanic stuff, but it's like, right. it's just a common pattern, you know, that, that like, <laughs> the, uh, it's not, not the Jew thing particularly. I mean, whatever, right. you, you can find those patterns too, but <laughs> just the, the, the tunnels and just like, I don't know, it just doesn't look good. Yeah, and, and the, the official narratives that we're getting on it, I just don't find compelling or like, <laughs> like don't find plausible, which it's like, I guess to, to a normie, you're like, oh really? You find it more plausible. There's a, a child diddling ring going on. You're like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I mean, I mean I yeah. by the way, go make sure to check out my shit on Rumble because I don't know how long this <laughs> will stay up. So. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. Yeah. But yeah, no, that that was my immediate reaction, though, was no doubt the McMartin tunnels, you know. But anyway, yeah, you want to this actually I wanted to talk about this anyways, but then what, there was a Patreon question uh asking if we had talked about the mcmartin uh, mcmartin thing before and i don't think we had brought it up maybe we brought it up in passing but if you could just give a quick rundown to uh to my audience what that that was because i know you have a better grip on than i do uh, i've dug into it a little bit i just finished the audiobook for program to kill and i'd heard of it like brought up in other times before so like i'm like you know have a cursory understanding of it and i know that my understanding is recently and i believe it was actually in the pursuit of the finders cult stuff more information oh came God. out that redeemed that original say like what you know the <laughs> the, the defend or the like the kids were saying essentially, whereas right. before it was written off satanic panic and there was a lot of stuff we didn't see. And it was almost like this, like established fact that like, you know, Oh, that's, that's old conspiracy stuff. That was proven wrong kind of deal. Right. And then more stuff came out, I believe with the finders files. I'm correct right. me if I'm wrong, but so it's like that, like directly <laughs> connects into this. So I, I just find that interesting. Obviously it's, it's really messed up to think about the concept of what's that in means. And the fact that we're seeing, uh, similar archetypes play out in different points in time of the right. same thing. Uh, it's, it makes you wonder what incentives are in place here. No doubt. And, yeah. and well, the, yeah, that direct connection came from the vault documents, the FBI vault documents in 2019, when basically over the course of a few weeks, they, they released like over 600 documents and it was uh, mostly all pertaining to the finders. But right in the middle of the document dump, what just so happened to be a map of the tunnels under the McMartin preschool with an attached uh, document that detailed what was found in those tunnels, right? And uh, so uh, most people at the time were basically asking the question, well, why on earth was there, were there 
two documents that when when McMartin didn't come up anywhere else in the document dumps, uh, you know, and what does it seem? What is the implication there? What where's the connection to the finders? Right. And uh, like I mentioned, like basically the only real connection I could I could um, um, come up with. And again, I haven't personally like I'm excited now because I'm, I'm going to do um, a deep dive myself on the pod about McMartin. And I think sooner rather than later, because uh, the timing seems right. But um, <laughs> but it like like I mentioned just a moment ago, like that Toby Terrell, Toby Terrell connection of getting that. And that's what Marion Petty called the games like he's called the game caller. They had all the in the warehouse. All of their uh, projects were listed as operations. And um, and the fact that that the the whole premise was he would he would give these members of the finders games to go play. Right. Which, you know, call it whatever you want, <laughs> you know, going to Manhattan beach to check on the atmosphere around McMartin while your group's being investigated for a potential child sex trafficking operation. And it could even, and even, you know, uh, without a doubt included a, a child pornography operation, you know, then, you know, is it really just a loose connection at this point? We, you can't be certain of much. But anyway, so to briefly at least mention, like, I think the best way to introduce McMartin just briefly is is to use the text of the letter that the uh, the police department sent to over 200 parents of the students at McMartin. And I mean, just like imagine getting this letter. <laughs> As a parent, right? Your children are are going to this this. I mean, what was it McMartin Elementary School or was it actually a preschool? It was a preschool, I believe. That's what I thought. It was a preschool, yeah. yeah. And so, it this is September eighth, nineteen eighty three. Okay, and it says, "Dear parent, this department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation." Ray Bucky, an employee of Virginia Mark McMartin's preschool, was arrested September 7th, 1983 by this department. The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your children as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for a complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking your assistance in this continuing investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttock or chest area, and sodomy, possibly committed under the pretense of taking the child's temperature. Also, photos may have been taken of children without their clothing. Any information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Bucky to leave a classroom alone with a child during a nap period, any nap period, or if they have ever observed Ray Bucky tie up a child is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to this department in the enclosed stamped return envelope as soon as possible. We will contact you if circumstances dictate. We ask you to please keep this investigation strictly confidential because of the nature of the charges 
and the highly emotional effect it could have on our community. Please do not discuss this investigation with anyone outside your immediate family. Do not contact or discuss the investigation with Raymond Bucky, any member of the accused defendant's family, or employees connected with the McMartin Preschool. But, I mean, imagine getting that letter from the police, you know? like, And then it, probably th- assuming that this will probably work out well and they have my best interests in mind. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe they did. I don't know who contacted them and how this worked out, you know, right. so far as logistically, but obviously I know how it ended. And uh, the right. idea is I think they mostly tried to spin it as their the the stuff they were telling their psychologist was uh you know manipulated out of them it was part of it it was partially also this like false memory syndrome and sometimes those two play into each other and so they basically tried to discredit all of the testimony which i guess for a bunch of preschool children i mean you i guess that leaves a lot of room for a lawyer to be able to argue one way or another that you know kids are easily impressionable and you know, they could have watched a movie or something and mm-hmm. then they shared this among friends. And now you have this idea that's taken form among them. Like, it, and that's it, what it seems like kind of happened from my understanding of the case. And it kind of got written right. off and swept under the rug as the satanic panic stuff, which we kind of, even in the intro, I think we alluded to it that I think there may have been more to that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there was some stuff that was likely probably even maybe in in some cases intentionally elevated to uh, as the silly cases were like oh look at this oh they think some witchcraft's going on but clearly it's not everyone's just all up in a panic you know exactly. and, and so those cases get elevated and the one where real dark stuff's going on that it just gets kind of like sucked into that you know ether of the of the not as credible ones right uh, but there was I think there was something going on. And so obviously exactly. Martin is a prime example to, to prop this up. But I mean, once you kind of understand what the architect, what this implies here and what's going on, and then you think of things like Epstein, you think of things like the finders cult. I mean, even as silly as it is like, and because this isn't as confirmed, we have very little, I mean, at the very least, you can see the hallmarks in the yeah. Jew tunnels thing. Oh, so, God. you know, like, so stop it. Jose. Uh, I'm, <laughs> what else can I call them? I'm not even. Right. I, not every Jew was in those Jew tunnels. Okay? <laughs> oh my god, dude! All right, I'm not. This is an inundation of all Jews. <laughs> I uh, mean, just that specific group of acidic people. Not even saying the entire temple. I don't know who was on the take or on the no. And I don't right. even necessarily know what was going on there. I'm just saying when you kind of start seeing these things and piecing together, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, because we'll, we're already, we're going to point out, I, I mean, maybe I'm recollecting this wrong, but there there is another major connection between Epstein and the main uh, spook character we have in this story, old Marion, which is a dude, uh, <laughs> yes. which are the only Marions I've ever known in my life were chicks. So right. <laughs> it took me a while to figure that out uh, mm-hmm. when the first couple times I like kind of went, you know, rolled myself through the story. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that might be, well, I guess let's just kind of talk about the Epstein drops and your thoughts about that. Cause I did find there was some crazy irony in that Dershowitz got heavily implicated in a lot of this stuff. Oh, wow. And, uh, he was, the timing of it was right when he was about to go to the UN to argue that, uh, Israel wasn't committing genocide. Uh, I guess they stopped that last minute, that. but it was Are like, yeah. Cause I mean, they, I think they really were like, yeah, I don't know if I want this guy defending us, but it was like. 
man <laughs> irony the irony it would have been just glorious like yep right. this is a guy that saying we're amazing. not committing genocide <laughs> i haven't and and i haven't looked <laughs> i haven't looked into uh much into I'm sorry what... it's not right to giggle but it's like no, yeah, hey, yeah. hey we have this intelligence arm that's well Too known much, for manipulating yeah. powerful people with uh right. with very dark means and here's this guy that's heavily implicated in this and he's going to argue that we're not we're not doing uh we're not committing genocide or, or ethnic cleansing exactly. or whatever you want to call it <laughs> and if we weren't laughing i would basically be crying so it's yes. like the, my only way to to deal with this <laughs> but um before uh, oh, by the way, I haven't looked into Rich what Richard said about what Richard Booth said about RFK Jr.'s perverted sex diary. But <laughs> that just like, either. oh, oh my dude, God. He, he's bending over backwards so for Israel. Perfect. It's insane. It fits so well. <laughs> it makes so much sense. And the idea that he had this perverted sex diary, that basically he's 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 technically a victim of blackmail as far as um uh the the notion is is that he was he's basically being blackmailed uh as mm -hmm. as uh for, you know as a part of the epstein blackmail operation and that um he he apparently had this perverted sex diary that his ex-wife had discovered and after reading it appeared to okay, be so yeah. distraught she committed suicide by hanging yeah, right? I forgot the specific diary part, part but I yeah. do remember the rest of that, that people imply she found out something, and that's right. kind of the conspiracy. I never dug in too deep into it. But I haven't yet either. I mean, but... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, go people go check out Richard's account. I don't know what hey, exactly Richard he said. Richard hasn't lied but... to me yet. <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, I mean, he will usually, if it's something that's more conjecture, he, you can usually right. tell whether it's He'll a stone or that. he specifically says it. No uh, doubt. The, the degree to which you should. Yeah, he wasn't confirming it. <laughs> anything. But but yeah, that claim alone was just, wow. You know, yeah. and, and it did fit perfect because of everything I had seen RFK Jr. pivot so heavily you know, on, on, but to be like, I mean, so accurate on his diagnosis of the Ukraine conflict and then to see him pivot and, and basically overwhelmingly support, you know, the state of Israel in, in this war. He said against... the Palestinians were like the most pampered people on the world stage or something That's like that. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. What? <laughs> yeah. You could disagree that like with yeah. the whole, you know, the underlying, you know, property disagreement or whatever, exactly. or, or even maybe convolute it and make it a religious uh, uh, thing. But <laughs> like, come on, like that's a bit yeah. far. <laughs> exactly, man. And, and, um, Oh, and but by, by the way, um, to finish the one last statement on McMartin was uh, we had mentioned McMartin, I think, in part one. And I had mentioned Key McFarlane, who um, she she was like the she had been the one who interviewed all those children, like over 400 of the kids at McMartin. And so I guess. Kathleen McFarlane was the director of the Children's Institute for uh, International and the social worker who, like I said, re was responsible for interviewing 400 children for the McMartin preschool trial. And that's when, by the way, I brought up that Dr. Naaman H. Greenberg, who seemed to first come into the finders case. And he was the one who overruled the initial medical examiners who had found, um, you know, signs of. Uh, potential sexual abuse in the children in at the um, Tallahassee incident, right? 
And uh, and he he was the guy who Dr. Naaman H. Greenberg was the Chicago psychiatrist, was hired by the Florida Department of Health and Rehabilitative Services to examine the children and stated that there were no signs of recent sexual or physical abuse, which casted doubt on the initial claims made by police. And uh, he was uh, also like affiliated with the uh, Jewish Community Center case in Chicago as well. And uh, yeah, that guy has a lot of connections to like what seems to be, you know, intelligence at the highest level at this time and uh, and was also a part of a children's uh, organization as well while he was he was uh, going around to all these different, uh, you know, high profile uh, trials and and uh, <laughs> providing his expertise. But uh, uh, apparently at first he generally behaved as though he agreed with Key McFarland's findings. But then later in public, um, he pronounced he pronounced that McFarland coerced the accusations of abuse from the children mm -hmm. and goaded them into making slanderous allegations. But Key McFarland, she's the lady who later testified to Congress that she believed there was an organized nationwide conspiracy of individuals and orthodox satanic groups sexually abusing children. And um, it's so it's just like, you know, I, I'm Key McFarland. I for sure trusted her more than Naaman, uh, Naaman H. Greenberg whenever I, I did the research on the individuals mm -hmm. and I listened to to their statements. I mean, it was just clear to me who was, uh, you know, she wasn't speaking emotion over emotionally as if she, you know, was her vision was clouded as if she, you know, was too emotionally attached to this case or, or, or anything of that nature. And the fact that he had initially supported all of her claims and, you know, I mean, it's just to me, it fit perfectly with how he had uh, behaved uh, previously with the other cases that he participated in. So I just thought it was at least worth mentioning because that that was uh, the connection that I had basically made between McMartin and the finders, because not only did Toby, Toby Terrell get that game or whatever it was called uh, by Marion Petty to go check the atmosphere at McMartin, but you also have, you know, the same guy who goes in and, and uh, overrules the credibility of the sexual abuse in the finders case, he's popping up in all of these satanic panic, uh, child sexual abuse cases at the time. So, and you know, he never seems to find any actual evidence while everyone else involved <laughs> seems to find like copious amounts, right. Including, you know, we're talking investigators on the case, right. Yeah. In Tallahassee, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, As to bring it today, we saw the videos of of tapes and all sorts of things being taken away from the Epstein, like some of the Epstein oh stuff. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I don't I mean, I'm kind of like <laughs> vaguely recalling this stuff, but I do remember seeing videos and in new and articles being written of, you know, the fact that the, the FBI took tapes and, and other, you know, stuff like that from the whatever some of Epstein's properties, whether that was at the mm -hmm. island or, or some of his other properties. And yeah. have we ever heard of any of those? No. Right. So and what, heard... what tends to happens with the federal government when cases yeah, of dude. any sort of I precarious, precarious situation end up in the exclusively uh -oh. in their hands, you know? 
So exactly. Th it, it seems to be in most of these major things, the only time we ever really get tapes is when some uh, intelligent person who happened to have the tape first makes a copy and then gives it to them you right. know, or something along those lines. Oh, yeah. Plays a little deceptive. That's only, those seem to be the only times we really get stuff like this. So, like, like the, it's, it's, uh, what is it, the... The, the the Godiva's uh thing with the with McVeigh yeah, and, and uh, Strassmeyer yeah. and Brescia the, where strip, they were at the club? strip club yeah, yeah. The, the video the only that, oh the God. the FBI got a copy of that from the strip club uh, uh owner and that one disappeared but the 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 strip club <laughs> owner I guess you know being a CD character and kind of not being as naive as your nor your normal you know upstanding business owner in the nineties right. uh he probably was like yeah I'm making a copy <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly man <laughs> so, and he did and researchers got Good a hold of that him. so <laughs> like, yeah yeah so, Just so you know don't yeah. ever give the only copy to the feds please you know because yes, no. <laughs> but i mean and, get, uh, also give them a copy because otherwise if you don't you very likely can end up a you're probably gonna die so yeah. <laughs> put, put a little tricky tricky i'm on your side here you go pal exactly <laughs> Ooh, thank man. you for your service <laughs> i never i never went like um really deep on the story that uh uh one of the and i think it was either a uh, NYPD evidence locker or an actual FBI evidence locker that they had the NYPD had housed a lot of the evidence that they had apparently taken from first the Anthony Weiner arrest. <clears throat> and then also when they raided uh, the penthouse, Epstein's penthouse, which or um, Epstein's house that was rigged with audiovisual blackmail and was um, um, given to him for like a dollar by Leslie Wexner. And, um, and yeah, like they had that fire where all that evidence just vanished, you know, and, and a lot of people were, were the implication was that, um, that was the primary, uh, a warehouse for the Epstein evidence. Right. And so, yeah. Who knows? You know, I'm not I'm not entirely sure if that's the case, but did isn't that the way we found COINTEL files was a bunch of like I think it was anti-war activists or something literally raided an office and got the files. Exactly. So, <laughs> I, I saw, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Like yeah. that's my overall point. But yeah. Anyway. So, all right, I'm gonna go through some of these chats and then we'll let's then after that we'll touch on the connection between Epstein and the finders. I think you know what you're talking about specifically in regards to Marion. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm forgetting something wrong. Uh, Tim Tuttle brought up the McGowan tunnels. Yeah, I mean, that's a oh, I, I actually think like a lot of this does click, which I'd already been kind of, you know, having some of these ideas before listening to Program to Kill. Uh, I have the actual book here. I just haven't had a chance to get around to reading that. But that does kind of like bring up some stuff and starts to make you question some things uh, with some of the examples they bring up. I'm not saying I completely buy everything. He's he's, but He never actually explicitly says that. Like, but he's I love making, Dave McGowan, yeah, though, dude. And when he's I read... He's kind of making the point that maybe serial killers or some satanic ties. Oh, and yeah. There, and there are these groups out there. And to some extent, they are the... They're the hitman for these groups. And then also on the flip side, sometimes the feds will just kind of, kind of just straight up murder people and use that just as a cover of, oh, we have a serial killer ramping over here, right. and, and they'll just add that onto his rap sheet. <laughs> so. And we know, we know that the the CIA they use, I mean, they use you know mafia hitmen all the time. You know, they would contract out executions, you know, all the time. And and it, like I just covered how they did this 
in like a 1981 triple homicide with Fred Alvarez mm-hmm. at the Ab- Cabazon Indian Reservation, which is all mm-hmm. tied to uh, Danny Castellero's octopus and the enhanced inslaw promise software scandal, dude. And yeah. and Jonathan uh, Pollock and, and like stealing the nuclear secrets, which led to um, uh, Israel acquiring the nuclear weapons program that Mordecai Venunu blew the whistle on. And then Robert Maxwell and Ghislaine's honeypot operation was used to entrap him and put him into prison in Israel, bring him back. The whole thing's nuts. But yeah. McGowan talked about when I when I found him doing the Boston bombings uh, and all of that, like, dude, the blood squibs, all that, like, he's just such a great resource as far as like his weird scenes inside the Canyon. Mm-hmm. Laurel Canyon is yeah. one, just one of my favorite subjects to talk about because it really does implicate the entire scene yep. of the yeah. counterculture, but go I ahead. I got like halfway, th- I got like halfway through that one. Uh, uh, but it does heavily tie into like the chaos stuff. It's kind of that similar scene going on. It just kind of shows you how thoroughly infiltrated these and then look at the finders. Different sects of society are like right. even the celebrity cast, and then also where that interplays into like the hippies and oh, and all man. like they they're just in, they're just finding different spheres and like let's you know let's infiltrate it. <laughs> look out, Mountain Laboratory. You know the guy that bought that property. He, he claims that after it was used as like a huge CIA base of operations, basically with the Rand Corporation and all of this, like PNAC, guys that, that formed, right, the Project for a New American Century and all of that, they were meeting in Laurel Canyon to like hatch these ideas. And, and, and the guy that purchased the property, he said that that's where they filmed the moon landing. He said he found, you know, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I'm not I, saying, I actually it. would not be surprised. I like, can see that. <laughs> I, I, I've never gotten like I look at like the moon landing stuff the same way I look at flat Earth, and this might piss off some people. I'm just kind of <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe we land on the moon. Maybe right. the Earth is flat. Maybe it's round. I don't yep. know. Like I, know, I, I right. like I, I would if I had to guess. I think it's probably round, but I don't know. I'm not really gonna take the time to really go through all the the flat Earth. Like, oh, this is how we do. I'm like, I just you. don't. I don't care. And like if it's no, flat, I'm I with mean, you. I on mean, that. if it's flat, like I yeah. think whoever knows this should come out and be like, hey, "Guys, it's flat." But like, I don't <laughs> think me going, "Guys, it's fucking flat," is gonna do for that. Sure, <laughs> for sure. And I'm with Which, you. Whatever. On... If that's your thing, go for it. <laughs> right, right. No, but I'm with you on on all of that. But the over time, I will be honest. I had, I've had, I have no dog in this fight. All right, yeah. but the founders of NASA alone. Yeah. What the hell? is going on there and so for me i always kind of thought like maybe nasa is a massive money laundering operation to (laughs) you know provide trillions of dollars from the taxpayer you know i don't know maybe uh maybe hawking really is just a puppet they paired rolled out to us (laughs) how do we know he's the one that's operating that machine that's all yeah well i don't know uh we covered this on tower gang uh there was a There was a video that I guess recently kind of made the rounds. I think Owen Benjamin sh- shared around. It's kind of like, you guys think this dude was legit? Like, apparently before he had this <laughs> little computer thing, he had a translator. And like, but right. you can watch the old videos and it's, I mean, I, it's I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. This is me being very gracious. <laughs> but like, 
this dude is literally being incomprehensible grumbles and weird noises. And then the guy is like, yes, he says, well, I, 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 I had a fine tenure in the sciences and I, I enjoyed studying these, like, and just like very eloquent. And you're like, no, he did not say that. Like you, you, there's right. no way that you have the gift of gab. And you're like, I can interpret this, hey. this incoherent mumbling, which isn't it's even like resembling a word. But it's not that know. hard to imagine <laughs> that, that they could create a person like that, yeah. you know? It's not um, like they've never done it. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. like with the moon landing though, and you know, the guy that got punched by Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> yeah. That I forget his name, but he did like a, I, either he wrote a book or he did a documentary. Some funny thing happened on the way to the moon. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. He's not like my, he's not a source that I go to or anything, but <clears throat> at the same time, it is very, very unusual. And, and just the, you know, the notion alone that, you know, that that uh, the president's using a, you know, a rotary yeah. phone to hey dial guys. up the moon, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's a little absurd, you know, but yeah. uh, uh, at the yeah. very least, there was some uh, some trims and whistles or whatever the hell the term is put on that was just for show just to make us for be sure. like, oh, there's our boys. But like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Someone also said about the finders had some sweet New York tunnels. Uh, do you recall, I, I want to say there were something like that in the finders, but maybe I'm recalling it correctly. I mean, to be fair, they did have them in uh, shit conditions. So like, I don't know, I think oh, tunnels, tunnels, dank basements, whatever, like it's kind it of was similar basements. thing. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. basements. But yeah, it, it, it that was 100% mentioned and it did come up because one of the kids, um, and I talk about it actually uh, at toward the end of, of um I can't remember if I included it in my podcast. I think I did, but because Elizabeth Voss does some real good work about implicating this Green Beret that was a member of the network, and he's basically implicated by one of the children, the only one who could really verbalize much. And um, and he he had been like, apparently he was very violent with the children, and uh, he he was basically implicated at another finder's property at a basement, behaving like, you know pretty aggressively and mm. from everything that i read but um yeah so it does come up but no tunnels from any of my okay. research yeah all right someone made fun of my hair uh, uh just real in, in the chat i do want to say i didn't <laughs> do this purposely they the, the i got like the dude fucked my that did not did completely not what i asked for and i made a mistake as i i have a I almost always fall asleep during haircuts. Like almost. Immediately. <laughs> That's like, so funny. I don't know. It just feels good. The razor on my head and just like, I just passed mm -hmm. right out. And I woke up kind of like with the craziest undercut I've ever seen in my life. And you guys know I had a slick back just not too long ago. If you watch the video uh -huh. and it, my slick back, like goes from here to like almost the back of my head. Like, so I would pull it and it goes past my chin. So wow. like he literally just shaved off the sides. And then I had that, like I literally had to come home wow. and try to fix it with scissors. I thought about just going back to old school Jose and just completely shave it. But I figured, screw it. I'll try to fix it up. The hair will come back eventually. Anyways. Get your slick back, <laughs> back, dude. I like that. Yeah, that it'll be, it'll stuff. be back. It'll be back. It doesn't look bad though. Don't let him troll yeah. you, bro. No, it's. A, I figured it fit the vibe of the week too. Very Aryan. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and I even mentioned yeah. the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. <laughs> oh, is that a, they, they shave their heads? No, I just oh, like okay. I. They, that's oh, yeah, the yeah, number yeah. one anti-Semitic. <laughs> I don't endorse that, but I also right, right. <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, Tim Tuttle also brought up the forbidden shooting. 
uh, which I've actually had Tim on my show to do a series on that, but it's only on Rumble. That's how forbidden the shooting is. Uh, that was the one old AJ got got his pee-pee smacked for. Uh, that shooting was three mil- miles away from Fairfield Asylum that had tunnels. We talked about that in our series. Yeah, there were tunnels there too because that's one one theory that's kicked around that maybe there's some sort of link between that. Uh, clearly, there's some things that make it look like Lanza may what was have... This? Uh, Lanza? Actually, yeah, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, well, there were there was an asylum that had tunnels. I forget all the details. You'd have to talk to him about it, or 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 I guess maybe someone could go. I don't recall everything that was talked about on my show, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Basically, they had the tunnels, and then so some people make some connections because there are some heavy, heavy, heavy implications from Lanza himself that he may have experienced some sort of sexual trauma at a younger at an earlier point in his life. And so then people kind of make, you know, conjecture on where and how. Uh, and there was some stuff going on, I think, with the local church or something like that that he was associated with that had some sort of scandal. Okay. And I think there might be some sort of association. Okay. I'm forgetting. <laughs> uh, you'd have to definitely go check it out. Someone asked, is there – oh, someone did ask some theory question. Uh, I appreciate it, but, uh, you know, it's kind of very off topic for what we're talking about, uh, libertarian theory stuff. Uh, but if you really want to do that in the future, <laughs> ask a question that really has nothing to do with what we're talking about. You're going to have to become a patron. And at that point, I will <laughs> prioritize your money. <laughs> and that's the $5 level. Uh, uh, someone asked, is, is there, and, you know, no, no slide at all. I get it. Uh, but we're, we're not, it's not that much of a Q&A. Someone asked, is there a connection to the Presidio Child Development Center in the McMartin Preschool case? I'm not familiar with the Presidio. It sounds familiar. Maybe that rings a bell to you. Man, like I said, um, a lot of the knowledge that I have on McMartin is either it's pretty tenuous at this point because it's either how it's overlapped into finders or my research into the Franklin cover up. And so I will be doing, like I mentioned, a deep dive in the very near future about McMartin. And so I'm sure I'll get into that. But as of now, yeah, I, I can't even think I've heard of it. I no doubt I've heard of it, but I can't think of any details. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Let's get right into it. Let's, uh, I think maybe we can jump from the Epstein connection to Marion and then just go right to who the hell Marion is and his connections. Uh, Cause this is kind of the, the last episode we wrap it up into right. how the hell this uh, connects into the fed boys. So let's, right. let's get into it. Uh, let's talk the okay. Epstein connection. Okay. So the way that I've basically organized my notes, I kind of make this, the case for the CIA connection, the intelligence connections by implicating this, basically the, the finders were, it came, so it came out in documents that, that the finders and well, the CIA was running uh, a, uh, a front operation called future enterprises. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important because, what it seems like, and like I mentioned, the warehouses of the finders and also the W Street apartments, they had all these different computer systems set up at the time. And apparently, whenever they found Stuart Silverstone there that night, the next night when they went to raid the apartments and um, in pursuit of the warrants, um, basically, they had uh, found all these empty desks with they hadn't been dusted yet. And so there was a clear outline, very clear outline that computers, these, all these desks had 
different computer systems set up, you know, on uh, and apparently a cop had pulled someone over. And if I remember correctly, it was literally the night before the warrants uh, were uh, uh, actually served to those to those addresses. And I'm pretty sure that that this police officer pulled this first. He said he saw uh, these well-dressed individuals there. It looked like they were um, piling documents out uh, into vans as well as computers. Right. And so then he said he pulled over one of these individuals and uh, and it, it was such a crazy because it was very redacted. It was a part of the document dumps, right? And from what I remember, uh, basically, it was very strange and unusual. And the officer who pulled this man over was like, in no way comfortable with what it seemed could potentially be going on at this time. And that apparently that place had already been noted as a potential child pornography operation uh, being conducted out of this address. And so, yeah, it was definitely very unusual, but I wanted to mention this because where we did leave off was basically mm -hmm. we had found that Ramon J. Martinez, while he was serving these warrants, had found uh, all these different files that were related to activities of the organization in different parts of the world. And I mentioned like the locations listed, like all these, I mean, international. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, London, Germany, the Bahamas, Japan, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Africa, Costa Rica, Europe, you know, and, and, and we even, uh, there was a file remember that was labeled and identified as Palestinian. Right. Mm -hmm. And there were, I believe we stopped like, right at that point yep, i think and, right and right, uh yep. but um there were other files as well that were identified by member name or project name right and the projects appearing to be operated for commercial purposes under front names for the finders but there was one file that was even entitled pentagon break-in and others which referred to members operating in foreign countries and they said that marion petty <laughs> would just like take them into the height, uh, you know, in, in into the USSR in, in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And with orders to just drop them into these random locations to behave Cold like war. a child. <laughs> yeah. with, with a game that he gave them to behave like a child. That was literally yeah. like a part of, of something they explained to be uh, one of the games that Marion Petty would assign to the members of the Finders organization. It sounded so much like Charles Manson, you know, who would just wake up one of the girls and be like, you know, find me some jungle fruit in the fucking Congo. And, 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 you know, it was basically, I own you, you know, it was yeah. that type of situation. This seems constant mind fuck power, yeah. power games is what it was. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. And, but yeah, which I mean, we've talked about this extensively, what why this kind of ties into like mk ultra stuff you can make that right. like if you understand what was attempted to be done in mk ultra oh was gosh. one of the big things was the dissociative disorder trying exactly. to create essentially the manchurian candidate or some sort of semblance of 
mind control or influence of some sort. And, and one of the things frequently theorized is that if you apply enough trauma, you can induce essentially strengthen dissociative states. Cause we all have dissociative yep. states to some level. And, uh, it, you know, it, apparently children are the most subjective to it. Cause it's, yep. it's kind of almost this level of, it's what's called, I think some people will call almost, almost automatic autonomic thinking. It's yeah. the idea of like it's, people frequently use the example of like when you're just kind of zoned out and driving. So kids are very, they have this like, it's almost like they're more, I mean, I'm not a fucking psychologist, but they're, they probably, cause they have a more active imagination. They're probably zoned out for far more often. They're in a more formative time. They haven't really made their thinking rigid. Uh, I mean, this is actually what I think there's a good argument for why children should, why adults shouldn't, uh, use physical violence to like discipline their children. Cause I think to some extent you're creating a more controllable individual because oh, yeah. you are essentially strengthening that, uh, underlying identity cause they're a child and they can't fight or flight. So essentially what happens is their mind plays this game where it kind of zones out. And so you're mm -hmm. strengthening that identity and kind of tainting it as well, because I'm not saying that whatever that thing is that our brain does is necessarily bad. But, right. but but it's a it's a place where our mind wanders to when things are bad or if we're bored or whatever and you're making that a dark place and you're making it more in control so yeah, yeah. so i mean that's kind of a dumb a, a, a dumb way to explain it but if you tie that into literal child abuse in physical and other more depraved ways uh, what does that create and what can you do with that? And then also, I mean, there's something to the fact that a lot of these crazed killers we've had in our past, you know, some of the serial killers is pretty frequent. There's something like that going on. I'm not saying every serial killer was an MK Ultra subject, but right. we have seen there's been some patterns. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, for example, most notably, you know, Manson with the, with the MK Ultra stuff. As, or not, obviously MK Ultra, but with uh, you know connections to what the the Jolly on West like center that oh, yeah. was running or whatever, and then <laughs> hate Ashbury, yeah, yeah. And then did you, you hear uh, Ted Kaczynski with his MK Ultra oh, trials yeah. in college or whatever? That Definitely. <laughs> did you did you ever hear? And I don't have it anywhere that I could pull up quickly, but have you ever heard the story of Danny Trejo tell uh, about? Uh, Charles Manson when he was locked up with him in county jail while he was awaiting his sentencing hearing and he, like he vaguely have heard this before but I can't he, tell you. dude it was so crazy apparently uh, Charles Manson took Danny Trejo and a few buddies through uh, uh, he hypnotized them right and he legitimately Danny Trejo said that he first of all he said that he should be a professional hypnotist with the skills that he had and the ability he had to first of all danny apparently was like a heroin addict and you know had all these issues and but i'm not sure if he had been getting high for quite some time at this point and so he hadn't like experienced you know that high specifically for quite some time and and I guess Charles Manson <laughs> took him and his buddies through this this um, hypnotic state where he successfully made them feel legitimately like they were high. Right. Like mm -hmm. they had just gotten high. Oh, yeah, I, recall I just yeah. thought this was I thought what an insane because the way he said it was like Charles Manson. I forget. He had a quote that was so perfect because it's like if he wasn't such a something, then. He should he would be uh, he should be a professional hypnotist or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, anyway, it fit. It just fit really well with what ended up happening and how basically the CIA did end up supplying yeah. the man. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. and family with with acid you know during oh, yeah, that time. I, I did want to make the point too another thing with this whole dissociative state thing with drugs that's a common method used to and to kind of you know aggravate these states or whatever or control these states or influence or whatever word you right. want to use that you find to be the most accurate uh and, and so you know and that could be in combination with trauma of all mm-hmm. sorts and that because you are just like that is i mean you are kind of escaping to that other part of your brain or whatever well, when you are doing that the dis- orange like hallucinogens <laughs> right and they said yeah. that the orange sunshine acid that was specific to that moment basically in time had been uh that that was replacing uh you know it was it was <laughs> it was replacing the the uh already um i forget what the uh the lsd was what uh, style of lsd was actually on the street at that time but it wasn't uh, orange were, sunshine were you, getting, were you getting at the one that they were using meth, was methamphetamine based because i believe I yeah mean, it was methamphetamine game yep it was there's different it, when it comes to acid there's different types of bases that you can use mm-hmm. uh, and that's another thing methamphetamine is already another one that seems to be a common thing that when you with mk ultra stuff it that comes up a lot methamphetamine exactly. so something about methamphetamine seems to indo- induce psychosis and you know <laughs> which i've heard this from people who were prior meth meth users oh yeah uh, you know you've got the developed problems that I, I guess i can kind of understand you know you, you mix that with hallucinogen and now you just created a good little cocktail oh, man. To, to if you have your own little kind of you know sort of somewhat captive by your influence audience <laughs> you can yep. you can do some stuff so, exactly yeah but a part of what I wanted to um, I wanted to for sure touch on the the idea that um, Martinez had also witnessed the fact that there were. <laughs> and so this wasn't observed by Martinez, but was related by an MPD officer, Metropolitan Police Department officer. Uh, they were intelligence files on private families not related to the finders. And the process undertaken appears to have been a systematic response to local newspaper advertisements for babysitters, tutors, etc. A member of the finders would respond and gather as much information as possible about the habits, identity, occupation, etc. of the family. And then the use to which this information, of course, uh, is still unknown. (laughs) But... (laughs) 
there was uh, a large amount of data collected on various child care organizations as well, in which why wouldn't there be, right? Yeah. If this group is what I believe they are, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> and then based on files found within the finder's documents during the execution of the search warrants, the MPD even had to contact an alert a woman whose information had been discovered appearing to show that members of the finders had reached out to her in an attempt to find employment as a babysitter. It was later revealed that she had apparently been referred to finders members as babysitters by employees at Georgetown University. (laughs) And as we mentioned in part two, not only does Georgetown University have longstanding ties to the CIA in general, but it also happens to be on record as a primary facility utilized in the infamous Project MKUltra, you know? But the warehouse, this is where the piss and shit in the jars uh, located with what appeared to be an altar. So the warehouse contained a large library, two kitchens, a sauna, hot tub, and a video room. The video room seemed to be set up as an indoctrination center. It also appeared that the organization had the capability to produce its own videos. There were what appeared to be training areas for children and what appeared to be an altar set up in a residential area of the warehouse. Many jars of urine and feces were located in that area. And Agent Martinez also mentioned that both premises were equipped with satellite dish antennas. He discussed the course of action to be taken by MPD with the detective Bradley from, and, and, uh, and he was assured that all the evidence would be available to us customs in furtherance of any investigational criminal criminal action pursuit. But that wasn't the case. And I guess MPD personnel where they were supposed to begin around the clock review and sorting of the evidence until completed and customs would have access after that was accomplished. It was, and, it, and that included like going through all the U.S. passports that were discovered. Um, and uh, I guess after Agent Martinez left the the, uh, the fourth after he left the fourth street premises, uh, he encountered a news media representative and was asked the reason behind U.S. Customs involvement in the investigation. And he advised the reporter that he could not discuss anything clearly and referred to the resident agent in charge in DC. But that's when he, he basically left immediately after that understanding it should only take three to five days for all the information to be sorted, reviewed and logged by the MPD. And he planned to, he, he, he like, he planned to maintain contact with detective Bradley specifically until the evidence was accessible again. And by April 13th, 1987, Special Agent Martinez filed a continuation to the report, including details of the investigation, where he claimed that on March 31st, 1987, he contacted Detective James Bradley. He was to meet with him to review the documents seized pursuant to two search warrants executed in February. And the meeting was supposed to take place on either April 2nd or 3rd. And as the story goes, <laughs> on April 2nd, 1987, Agent Martinez arrived at MPD at approximately 9 a.m. Detective Bradley was not available. <laughs> he instead spoke to a third party, 
who remained anonymous at first. Um, he was willing to discuss, he was only willing to discuss this with Agent Martinez uh, strictly off the record. And he was advised that all the passport data, this is what this anonymous official, who we find out was Sergeant Stitcher later, uh, he was advised that he advised Martinez that all the passport data had been turned over to the State Department for their investigation. The State Department, in turn, advised MPD that all travel and use of the passports by holders of the passports was within the law and no action would be taken. And that's like traveling to the USSR, the, you know, Vietnam, right? And, and this is like, you know, the height of the Cold War, right? Like, yeah. that is ridiculous. It's, it sounds so much like Oswald, you know, just traveling on, a, you know, on a, oh, on a military. Defect to Russia. No right, problem. right. Exactly. Exactly. Or like Jim just Jones. Just kidding, guys. I'm back. You're right. Or Jim Jones, who's going to Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Uh, you know, at the very same time, he's getting a, 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 a second passport in his home state of Indianapolis. And Meanwhile, he's traveling on a second passport to Hawaii, to Russia, to dude. What are you? And, and you find out Dan Mitrione, his, you know, like longtime friend was basically a, a, a CIA operator who, you know, basically brought him into the fold, you know, and he was teaching like, I forget, uh, but he, he ended up getting murdered in some, <laughs> some crazy, by some, uh, um, I can't remember exactly how uh, the end of that story. Anyway, Jim Jones, one of the craziest stories of all time. But oh, it's so similar to all of that because, like I said, pattern recognition. How many times can we see such a similar ridiculous narrative? And then it's poo-pooed. It's, it's immediately just dismissed by, you know, the mainstream narrative and any official, right? Uh, any any authoritative figure it's like a third rail or at least it, it really used is. to be that's actually what i find the most i mean don't me wrong there's obviously it's funny but the jew, the jew tunnel thing like it is i just feel like this we almost like especially if this ends up being like holy shit like we were right type thing this yeah. is like stop being so fucking worried about touching third rails like yeah why exactly. is it that we can't can't question these things? Like yeah. you can also have the intelligence to not, you know, to you know, not be like, you know, one hundred percent they did it, but we can at least be like, we're not retarded, and we can notice that like this seems weird. Like, exactly. did you, did you guys have anything to do with this? Because it kind of looks like maybe you did. Uh -huh. Like, why is that so bad to say? <laughs> like, exactly. Especially when you start building up receipts, then it becomes. It's kind of like the, the the thing where somebody like you say something and they're like you're a racist or you're a thisist and you're it's mm -hmm. like okay but you didn't actually grasp my argument like you you didn't exactly. you didn't you didn't use at all attack the argument you just attacked some other external thing like I don't sure whatever maybe I am a racist but like how about you address the argument I just made here exactly. like the the, the, the the whether or not I'm a racist is an irrelevant point to right. the specific argument I just gave right so, but and it's the it... same thing you know if it, it's actually both here because it's like everyone's like yeah. oh my god I can't question Jews you're like well this is one specific sect like why would that be that big of a right. deal it's also like and, and and then on the other side it's like if there you know it ends up being some other connections it's like why can't we question that 
Like, exactly. You do. So sorry, yeah, it's just another there. way to dismiss any anything that you're saying. Is most of the time, I mean, that it would force them to completely redefine the paradigm of you know that just of the reality that they embrace. And, you know, I mean, it would come, it would take so much. It would take a top down reflectionary approach on what I believed in to begin with. And I think that's the hardest part for so many people is that they're not dealing in nuance. You know, it's a lot easier if, if you mm -hmm. can just black and white this thing all the way through, because, yeah. you know, therefore it it's good versus bad. And and, you know, it, it's easy to be right, you know, mm -hmm. and and that's never the case. When has that ever been the case? You know, yeah, I mean, so that's it's hard when you've built up enough precedent for similar such cases that have been shown to be incredibly credible uh, to where you go. Well, you can't just, you know, go, oh, my God, how dare you, you right. know, even suggest this. You're like, well, I mean, let me point you X, Y and Z that are very similar that we have paperwork of this that and this and it's like and it's kind of i feel like what we've done a lot throughout here i know it may sound like conspiratorial ramblings but i feel a lot of the stuff we've covered like <laughs> yeah you may not buy maybe the sources that it originally came from or whatever but right. we've genuinely generally tried to stick with things that have some sort of report to some degree i right. mean i'm not claiming any sort of like for a lot of this stuff i mean I, I haven't dug in deeply, so I'm not giving like a huge stamp of approval of everything said here. <laughs> but like we, this wasn't really a ton of conjecture. I mean, I guess to some extent it was, but this is stuff <laughs> that we, we we're bringing up examples of like here's where this has happened, and, and right. you know, like whatever. If you don't want to believe that's happened, okay, sorry. Right. <laughs> that's why I try to utilize reinforcing examples as often as mm -hmm. possible, because I don't. I always want to be honest when I'm purely speculating, you know, and, and I've said this many times, but like I, my, I will, I will for sure disclose my own opinion, you know, but, but I, I'm not expecting anybody to take that and, and, uh, uh, you know, as, <laughs> as confirmed fact of, of any kind, unless I'm like, unless you trust the research that, you know, and the sources that I'm attempting to, disclose yeah, you can also with. usually gauge the certitude with it someone says something you know? right yeah so but like, i mean there are some things that i'll be like yeah i'll stake my name on it and oh whatever, for sure you know yeah. but you know there's also a lot of stuff they're like this is pattern recognition recognize that so. definitely yeah no doubt and then and beyond that it's like i've noticed that there's we all think a little differently you know mm -hmm. but it does seem like there are categories of the way our brains operate after you've been exposed to certain levels of information over time. And, and uh, mm -hmm. typically, you know, my inherent position is never to defend the state ever, you know? And so I, I'll, I'll be honest about that till the day I die. And so <clears throat> typically I don't tend to search for angles you know, that will um, make like basically defend the state. And, yeah, and I'm, I'm not bending over backwards to exonerate the state. Right. Like there is inherent bias there. But 
the no thing doubt. is everyone's bias and i exactly. would argue that i have that same bias and i would argue that's a justified bias because yes. this is an entity that i've seen uh in seen the way they've interacted in countless other examples and i use that right. to gauge my understanding of their future actions exactly <laughs> and, so, and the last thing i yeah. want to believe is that government the highest levels of government are perpetrating and facilitating especially child sex trafficking but just any human trafficking at all in general i mean that's the last thing i want to believe man you know but, but at this point how do you not like how many how examples do you, do you need to see how exactly. many like i mean and so i came into this man I, I came into this and i was drug kicking and screaming down the rabbit holes right like mm -hmm. never did i want to accept that this could happen at such an organized level you know and 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 in so many different different examples and instances where virtually no accountability at all and and people who were involved and i mentioned the inslaw case earlier only because it's so fresh in my mind but um i mean you see the the judge that that ruled on the inslaw case he says his reappointment was 100% affected by the Justice Department intervening in his reappointment process based on his ruling on behalf of Vince Law against the Justice Department, right? And for stealing the alleged promise software. So it's just like, how many cases can we see this where individuals at the highest level of government who have these personal relationships with with a gov they they just so happen to you know work with under ronald reagan while he's governor of california and then just so happen right to become members in in his administration in the white house or you know uh uh provide like like Edwin Meese, right, who's a, a lead example of that in that case, which is just, again, extraordinary. But another example of exactly what we're talking about here, where how many times can we see the DOJ or the highest levels of our federal government intervene to shut down the honest investigation of a case into a criminal conspiracy that the implications are extraordinary? You know, and and so I'm almost to the CIA part, I swear. And yeah, <laughs> I do want to let people know that you did just do in the Inslaw case on your show. And I'd never heard of it. That was a really that, I enjoyed that episode. So we definitely go check awesome, that out. Man. But yeah, let's so get much. back to the CIA. For sure. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> and by the way, feel free to jump in with questions, guys, that are in the live chat. Uh, I'll try to bring them up again. Uh, let me know if you guys like this, especially if you're a patron. I'll weigh your word a little bit more. Uh, I think I like the idea of, you know, especially when I do series, especially if it's more than like two episodes, finishing off with some sort of like live stream. That way, if people have questions or want to get in yeah. on it, uh, what, that that would be the time for them. But uh, yeah, let's let's get into the see the you know the the spooky character right. that is Marion. Uh, so Marian, whatever the hell his last name is, <laughs> right. So I just know Marion. That's the only name I can Marion David Petty, apparently. Yeah, Petty. There we so, go. So, um, but that third party individual though that ended up being Sergeant Stitcher, um, he advised Martinez of circumstances which indicated that the investigation into the activity of the finders had become a CIA internal matter. So this is when 
Ramon J. Martinez, U.S. Customs uh, officer who, you know, a member of the uh, Child uh, Pornography Protection Unit. I mean, he he had um, he had gone to uh, at least he he had initially planned on reviewing all of this evidence that they had, you know, acquired through uh, serving the warrants at these at these finders properties. And that's when he's told by, the, you know, the like I said, the meeting's not going as planned, right? He's being told that, look, the CIA has intervened and it looks like we're not going any further than this, right? And so the MPD report, it's been classified secret and was not available for review. And he was then advised that the FBI had withdrawn from the investigation several weeks prior. And remember, this is in April the you know the arrests happened in february as did the warrants um and so it's just <laughs> the fact that all the evidence would basically be either destroyed or returned to the finders within 3 months i mean i don't know and you wouldn't even keep detailed like detailed uh, uh descriptions of that evidence which seems to also be the case it's all extremely vague as as to like and you heard what ramon j martinez claims he saw in these bags you know and and the fact that none of that was detailed uh in in the evidentiary reports and it seemed that all of it was missing you know then so that's when he was advised that the fbi had had withdrawn from the case several weeks prior and that the FBI Foreign Counterintelligence Division had directed MPD not to advise the FBI Washington field office of anything that had transpired. No further information will be available. No further action will be taken. All of the evidence collected during the execution of the search warrants had either been destroyed or returned to the finders within days. Even the Washington field office was forced to admit that one of the search warrants lacked the proper witness signature, while the records of the collected evidence did not appear to have any detailed description. And before we address that anonymous individual who I already said was Sergeant Stitcher, <laughs> uh, who told Martinez off the record that the CIA had stepped in and basically shut down the case, we should finally introduced the cult of personality himself, Marion Petty, who, by the way, like I've said before, he's known to the members of the Finders as the game caller. Mm -hmm. And Petty was a former Air Force Master Sergeant who admitted that his son worked for CIA front Air America, which was later renamed as Southern Air Transport. Yep, that's, but, yep, here we are. <laughs> by 1995, this front company was essentially overtaken by Jeffrey Epstein and Leslie Wexner, relocating its main base from Miami, Florida to Ohio with the express purpose of running cargo for Wexner-owned companies. But we're encouraged to reduce that down to mere coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep <laughs> so yep. nuts, dude. That is, that is probably like, I get it. It's just a connection. But it's like, it almost makes me think of the concept of like a trust. And that it like yes. it was it was always the same group. It just exchanged, you know, primary exactly. ownership. <laughs> like, That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Nebraska State Senator John DeCamp, he wrote the Franklin cover up. And he... Uh, 
uh, I put something he said at the very bottom of my notes because he says that the finders is directly connected to the Franklin scandal. Right. And man, to me, I, I wish I wish he would have, you know, I wish he would have stayed alive long enough to really like detail that for us. But I would not be surprised at all is the point, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. <clears throat> so beyond that ridiculous connection between Epstein, <laughs> Southern Air Transport, <laughs> which all of that is so much like Barry Seal's story as well, which, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing's just. How many times, buddy? You know, like yeah. how many connections? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. but according to FBI vault documents, Petty's wife, Isabel, admittedly worked for the CIA from 1951 to 1971. And she had been given passports, like I said. <laughs> But to not petty, not petty. Oh, it wasn't Marion. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clearly, it doesn't. It means Just it's all everyone fake. in close and within a circle. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But to rest- all those restricted countries, such as yeah. North Korea, North Vietnam, the Soviet Union, it's just man, that that doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Unless you're affiliated with intelligence, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, to some- be fair, it wasn't his cover or something along the line, which I don't know. Like, I don't know the circumstances of how, like, I have a hard time believing that like right off the bat, like he gave up all this information. Maybe people came out with, you know, you know, this here, this there that like, you can't deny it. Right. But like, I'm pretty sure his <clears throat> cover was something along the lines of, oh yeah, well, my wife was like, I was very much against the feds and she oh, was dude. like my in, in the in the in in the in the group kind of person you know they, she yep. was behind enemy lines yep. like i had it the right way here it. yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that's it's like that oh that's how we got all these places i had a man on the inside <laughs> so ridiculous that's so ridiculous yeah he's a, he, during an impromptu interview called the finder's keeper and apparently this uh this reporter ken thomas i think he's an author as well i think he might have written a couple books but um he uh uh, apparently at the time he goes to the Virginia properties of the finders in the free state area. And, and um, he basically finds the group themselves and, um, and asks for an interview with Marion Petty and the guy's willing to talk to him. And, and I just can't believe that he did say these things straightforward. Right. right? Like, so that's why I was like, I didn't know the circumstance if he was confronted with some sort of proof that like, right. Hey, here's this document that shows like your, your, your brother or something or your yeah. brother, but your son and your wife. Like, cause that's right. the only way that I could like imagine that he'd be like, he even admitted that they were scouting him for the feds. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, nope, yeah. don't want to do that. You know, yep. like what a weird, like what a weird story to tell if they have nothing on you. And you're just like, yeah, I'm totally not a fed, but let me tell you about all of this stuff. <laughs> right. And so. I feel like some of these people, I think some of these operators, they they start to get very overconfident, you know? And and I almost feel like they brag sometimes. And they want to say the silent part out loud, you know? But I could be wrong, but they seem to implicate themselves a little too often, <laughs> right? We, we, 
I do got to say, though, like, I mean, maybe a little bit overly conspiratorial, but while I did just make fun of his story, to some extent, mm-hmm. there might be a grain of truth in that. Because if we to our accept, there is some sort of other shadowy group, right. it's hard to believe it would be so baked into the infrastructure of our intelligence agencies to where it's essentially synonymous. You would think it would almost be some sort of almost external group that has basically just thoroughly infiltrated that group or to a, to a degree right. to where they control enough of the influence within that group to bend it to its will. So yep. it wouldn't be that crazy if he was from some other group that's heavily associated with that. And in some extent he was kind of, you know, playing the man on the inside card, but right. at the same time, that's like a difference, like a difference of that distinction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's still the same thing in the end, right. like, at the end of the day, whether he's pulling the levers of power to get it to do what, what he wants, like whether mm-hmm. he's an actual fed or he's using the feds, it, like what yeah. difference does it really fucking make? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's not, you know, and it's not clear, like, it, I mean, well, it it's at the very least, it's uh, pretty, I don't know, it seems like Toby Terrell also has his, you know, a lot of his statements are tongue in cheek. It's just, you know, that could be the case. But too much does it seem like members of his inner circle that were at the highest levels of the Finders organization, they seem... Um, very confident that this will never surface. And once you you hear what Toby Terrell says about Athena Veronis as potentially being the FBI minder in the room, the fixer who comes to, you know, uh, apparently the uh, location of their of their uh, front operation called um, Future Enterprises, <clears throat> it's like it gets a little bit more. <laughs> intense as far as the cover-up uh as far as i'm concerned it lends credibility to that but so wasn't there real quick wasn't there also some maybe you're about to get into it so you can let me know if you are but i mm-hmm. believe there was some sort of other document i don't remember specifically who it came from where we get the the heavily implicated to basically straight up saying it that mm-hmm. the the CIA had a interest in the group. Essentially, yep. the most you know vague way you can possibly put it. And essentially, it's you can pretty heavily. Yeah, you can take yeah. that to whatever degree. That could just mean that uh, they fucked up something, and if the truth came to light, this would you know, look bad on them. Something. <laughs> right. It doesn't necessarily mean they're completely controlling this operation. So yeah. you know, take that with a grain of salt. I think you know when you look at all this stuff, it paints a pretty crazy picture, but either way, there's some, there is a document that heavily implies, and you're, you're about to tell me about it, that they, they had some sort of interest in at the very least maintaining uh, or in controlling the way the information came out. Definitely. And, and the person who's responsible for that document died a little bit suspiciously very shortly after and before the 93 inquiry inquiry oh my god could take place <laughs> and so um but that interview with ken thomas and marion petty he so he asked marion petty some critical questions that produced kind of a unique perspective into the mind of the game caller <laughs> and marion petty told ken thomas i had two apartments back in the 30s and 40s in washington and just kept an open house So anyway, it goes back that far. Four people here with me now have been with me for over 25 years. In fact, I kept another thing called the free state back in the hippie period. 
back in the mountain, mountains here. It was called the Free State, and it was known all over the world. So I kept an open house to beatniks. We're talking about the 50s now, going back to World War II. I kept an open house mainly to intelligence and counterintelligence people in Washington. OSS people passing through, things like that. So the open house at that time was more or less at that level. Petty was asked, what do you make then of these stories that connect the finders up to a pedophilia ring in the CIA? Petty responded by saying, I just kept an open house to a lot of the counterintelligence and intelligence people over the years. <laughs> Imagine well, that being your response. Yeah. You don't well, even address it. What do you think it. about that? Well, I have an open house to <laughs> counterintelligence and intelligence figures. Exactly, man. What about the child rape? I kept an open. <laughs> Seriously, man. I've tried all my life. This is how he responds to that question. This is so crazy. I've tried all of my life to get behind the scenes in the CIA. I, I spent my, I sent my wife in as a spy to spy on the CIA for me. <laughs> Imagine having the balls to think that you could do that. You know, like, I mean, but on the flip side, like I, I did proffer the possibility that maybe there is something. To it. It. I, mean, I don't think possible. so, but there's it's possible. But that all, that also just implicates that doesn't make it any better. That just makes it like, whoa, what? <laughs> exactly. And it, the way he the way he describes it is so hilarious. He's like, oh, I didn't force her. Like he doesn't say that, but the way he yeah. says it is like, she, he says. She was very happy about it, <laughs> happy to tell me everything she found out. She was in a key place, you know, with the records, and she could find out things for me. And my son worked for Air America, which was a proprietary of the CIA. <clears throat> right. So that was what he told Ken Thomas in that interview. Same. But that third party individual that went on the record with or went off the record with Martinez uh, and whose name was redacted in the original reports. He was later confirmed as Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department Sergeant John Stitcher. And by May of 92, not long before the 93 inquiry into the allegations of CIA involvement, Sergeant Stitcher would die from a reported cause of death listed in his obituary as septic shock. However, during the initial investigation in February of 87, Stitcher wrote an investigative report. And this is, I believe this is at the same time that he has to tell Martinez because there's like, I've heard that he was so pissed, Sergeant Stitcher, that, that this was being shut down by the feds. And as a CIA internal matter, as he told Martinez, that he was like uh, allegedly screaming in the halls at MPD at Toby Terrell, the the, mem the elite member of the finders group who was the one verbally defending them all right after the original arrest. And that he's yelling at him in MPD saying, I know you're conducting child pornography uh, in this warehouse. And he's like screaming at him. And um so I think that's why he was off the record at this time with Martinez, because he wasn't willing yet, you know, and and it's just man. And it was classified as secret, you know, at, right mm -hmm. after this happened. And so 
this is when Sergeant Stitcher wrote an investigative report labeled confidential and do not disseminate, given the title finders involvement with the Central Intelligence Agency. Right. And like I said, this is redacted, you know, but this is a small act of rebellion. Really. Yeah. And it, so, it may have got him killed. <laughs> I th Yeah, I think it's yeah. possible. We can't yeah. say for sure, but it's it's definitely possible. Weird timing, to say the least. Yes, at the very least. Right. So the largely redacted report reads that approximately 1530 hours, February 18th, 1987, Detective Redacted <laughs> spoke with Special Agent Redacted in reference to any contact the members of the finders may have had with the agency. Special Agent Redacted was guarded, but frank in his response. He confirmed <laughs> that Redacted Isabel, now deceased, was an employee of the agency from 1950 until 1971. When asked if our investigation was treading on anyone's toes out there, Redacted replied, sort of. <laughs> Dude, he acknowledged that they have had someone working on the case since it first broke on the news media. He also stated that the agency is aware that during the period 1969 to 1971, Redacted traveled to Moscow, North Korea, and North Vietnam. Almost three full lines redacted. Special Agent Redacted stated that he would contact Detective Redacted on February 19th, 1987 to arrange to come to this office for further discussion. As of 1430 hours, February 19th, he has not contacted this office. As a practical matter, what is not being said is as important as what Special Agent Redacted has said. Redacted acknowledged that we are treading on their toes and that they have had someone working on the case since February 5th when it broke. They apparently have a vested interest in Redacted and or the group. They have not contacted any of the investigating agencies while they have been working on the case. They are also aware that Redacted traveled to prohibited countries during a period of hostilities that could only have been arranged by them. Finally, he stated, that two lines redaction. This could explain a lot about the group's funding, <laughs> which we have been unable to document to this point. Entire redacted paragraph labeled confidential. Regardless of what type of operation they may have been engaged in, there will be no justification for the way the children have been treated and the matter will be addressed in Family Division Superior Court. And that's what Sergeant John Stitcher said about the potential funding being connected to the CIA, you know? Yeah, I think so, that's the perfect place to end it unless you feel like there's other substantive stuff from this, but I feel like that is the that's the that's the the the, the, the headshot. <laughs> it's not a bad one. Yeah. Let me see where's one more area. Yeah, okay. let me finish these these uh, last okay, couple yeah, statements yeah. here. So Although the report was heavily redacted under classification, classification confidential, it clearly states that the CIA had a vested interest in the cult, right? <laughs> Multiple lines of the report seem to even suggest that the CIA was potentially involved in the funding of the group. Uh, 
A memo was produced during the 93 State Department inquiry into CIA involvement in the initial investigation. <clears throat> it stated, the CIA admitted to running an operation that was a front for a domestic computer training operation called Operation Future Enterprises, but that it had gone bad and that they had accidentally hired a member of the Finders cult, but dismissed him when the connection to the group was exposed in February of 1987. The CIA spokesman at the time, David Christian, called the charges ridiculous, but then proceeded to admit that the CIA sent some employees to a company called Future Enterprises Incorporated for computer training in the 1980s. Vice President of Future Enterprises, Joseph Marinick, said the company has trained CIA employees in computer use and continues to do so. And he also admitted that one prominent Finders member named Robert Gardner Terrell, better known as Toby Terrell, who even owned one of the raided properties, was a former IRS employee and happened to work for the company Future Enterprises before he was let go in February 1987, which happened to coincide to the exact same time the arrest took place in Tallahassee. Now, he would later uh, author the book called The Game Caller, and in the book, he implicates an FBI agent by the name of Athena Veronis as the fixer largely responsible for the cover-up. She was also the woman, an FBI agent, that the character Clarice Starling was allegedly loosely based on in the film Silence of the Lambs. And in his book, Tobe Terrell claims that FBI agent Athena Veronis met with him downstairs at the Future Enterprises office and told him, we're going to put a lid on this thing. She would later be the very authority who completely denounced Ramon J. Martinez and the U.S. Customs documents, claiming that Agent Martinez had made all of it up, falsifying evidence in a selfish, self-serving selfish, self effort to achieve a potential promotion. She also conveniently became the first FBI liaison for NECMEC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a few other things that I really want to talk about, but we can end it whenever you want, my brother. <laughs> I think, I mean, unless you have another bombshell, but that uh, that leaves it at like... Let me say, you know, I'll hey, say two things, two, two more things. All right, I'm sorry. All right, all right, all right. No, you're good. You know, we, we got time. I just so, was like, that's a like, that's a note not to leave a it on. Like, What's that mean, guys? <laughs> exactly. Right. So I won't add much more, but I, I have mentioned John DeCant multiple times, that former mm -hmm. Nebraska state senator, and he was the author of the Franklin cover-up, like I said. And, and apparently during a Q&A following uh, a pretty explosive article published in an issue of U.S. News and World Report, he claimed in this Q&A that the finders were associated with the CIA and that they were abusing children by means of indoctrination. He reportedly said, I was getting information anonymously. I found out later that it came from CIA people who were concerned about what had happened. The CIA had denied any involvement in it even today, but there is enough documentation to show that children at a fairly tender age were being used for sexual purposes 
to compromise people. And for the mind control nonsense, why? I don't know. And I don't claim to know. Before That's what he said in this Q&A. And before John DeCamp died, he also made the stunning claim that the finder's operation was somehow directly connected to the Franklin network that had been exposed and covered up in Nebraska around the exact same time. Now, a more recent connection to the finders that seems to almost confirm our darkest suspicions, it comes in the form of Theodore Gerald Rice, who was a professor at Georgetown University and also happened to be a member of the Finders cult. May 10th, 2017, a U.S. District Judge sentenced Theodore Gerald Rice, age 81, to 90 months in prison. May 10th, 2017. Followed by a lifetime of supervised release for the distribution of child pornography. According to his plea agreement, on August 17th, 2015, Rice, ex-Finders member, professor at Georgetown University, used a personal computer to distribute in a peer-to-peer network a file containing a video of minors engaged in sexually explicit conduct. Additionally, during a search of Rice's home on September 9th, 2015, investigators found Rice in possession of various electronic devices and CDs that were later found to contain 291 videos and 29 still images of child pornography. And I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. Nick Bryant, I described him in part one as the OG. <laughs> He's really who, who pulled me into this world um, by his research into the Franklin scandal and his book. But I believe that's kind of the preeminent work you know, the Franklin scandal is called uh, a story of power brokers, child abuse and betrayal. And he wrote in his book, I wasn't so much anguished by the threats and intimidation I endured delving into the arcane mysteries of this universe, but rather by the realization of its very existence, a universe that encompasses the refined industrial destruction of children and its cover-up by the very state and federal authorities who have pledged to protect children from the depravity of evil men. The children and our society as a whole have been betrayed. Yep. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't even know how to end it better than that. I mean, it's, it's awful shit, but like, you know, I don't know. When you think it through, you're like, oh, yeah, there's something to it. And especially some of the the cult stuff I, the, that you're like, what is going on there? Like, obviously, you know, we got the MK Ultra stuff, but it's like also like, is that really, is that uh, as deep as that goes? Like, what and, are the and, motivations at play here? Like, this is, I mean, is this really all about just con- control? I mean, it, uh, and, and does that have multiple meanings? <laughs> so, in the Johnny Gosh yeah. story in the Franklin cover-up with Paul Bonacci. I mean, satanic ritual abuse, man. I mean, it. I think that proved it, you know, even more than this case, which, yeah. man, someday we'll have to talk about yeah. that one. Yeah. But All right, man, this, this, has been, uh, this has been great. I uh, appreciate when you showed up. 
Uh, I mean, it's obviously dark, dark stuff, but I do think this is when she starts like what, and it seems like it'd be black pilling. And I guess in some senses it is, but I think once you see through the veil and you're like, you, you see them, see these people and what they do and see them for what they are, it allows you to have that much more contempt. And, and also, honestly, in a lot of ways, the, the energy we give them is kind of like, so you can just see them as once you just see them as just these evil fucks over here. Uh, I think it's, it's, it gets you to a better place. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, I appreciate it, man. You want to tell people where they can find you at, uh, and, yeah. yeah. So we'll definitely first have you on again for something else. Thanks brother. <laughs> but first I, I just want to say thank you, man. Like honestly, just the exposure you've given me on your platform and everything, but more than that, just the conversation, man, I feel like, like you know, at this point I can call you my friend, mm -hmm. but you know, I really do appreciate all of this and thank you, brother. Like oh, sin thank sincerely. You. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it, other it than was, that, it he... was surreal finding your content when I came upon you. I was like, Jesus. But yeah. And then the, the <laughs> kind of the so story funny. we had before, which I think we talked about in the beginning. But so it's cool right. to see you, you killing it and creating great content. And I, I hope you keep blowing up more and more. So Thanks, I think everyone who's checking this out should definitely go check out your stuff. I've probably, you know, gone through, you know, at least 30% to somewhere in the range of 50% of your content oh, already. Yeah. So, and Thanks, a lot man. of good stuff, but, uh, yeah, uh, you, I zoned out. Do you already say where people can find you at? <laughs> no, I didn't plug it all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So on Twitter, I'm at underclass pod on Instagram at the underclass podcast. And I haven't said this on any interview at all yet, but I do have a Patreon. I'm not really offering anything <laughs> there yet, but, but, uh, you know, basically a value for value model at this moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, if anything I've ever done, you appreciate whatever, you know, throw yeah, me anything. No, and I, I appreciate his work. So I think if you guys want to support someone, definitely go support him. I would also wouldn't mind if you support me, but you know, pick one or the other, you know, I mean, I, you, you get what you get back. He's definitely creating better content. <laughs> so, oh, stop it. Dude. Stop it. No. I, I do like the way you approach your episodes. You do have a good format. So Thank I you, think that, that's, that's good stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you guys want to, you know, help out my show, like that's patreon.com, no way Jose 2020. Like I said, you kind of get the value that you put in. If you want to see me doing bigger, better stuff, that's, you know, the only way we'll do it. I got to put food on the table for my family at the end of the day. That comes first. Uh, but if you can, you know, tip the scales from one to the other slowly over time, you know, every little bit counts, whatever. Maybe I'll get to a point where I can make a fucking documentary about Terrence Cheeky or something. But yeah, I got big stuff coming in the near future. I should have some announcements. Uh, still waiting on scheduling. But yeah, I do want to remind you guys tomorrow I have Pete on. So if you do want that, that you got to be a patron. Uh, patron. That'll definitely be a Rumble live stream considering the topic, and that'll probably won't ever come out on YouTube. Uh, you know, because we're kind of hitting a third rail hard as hell with that that topic. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely check that out. Uh, Twitter at Targeting Jose, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. I mean, if you don't want to support money wise, at least share my content and his content and uh, Austin's. Like I said, I really do appreciate his stuff. So definitely, at the very least, go check out his stuff. And with that, we are out of here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 